I'm wonderful. Good. Welcome to A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And this is Claude. Hi, Claude. Hello, gentlemen. How are you tonight? We're good. How are you? Good. So, uh, just a little bit of info. Can you explain who you are and what you do? We always find that people explain it better than we do. Well, I consider myself uh, kind of semi-retired, so it's a good spot to be in life. But uh, in the past, I worked as an illusionist for 38 years, traveled across Canada, uh, raising funds and awareness for nonprofit groups. Uh, as an illusionist, which was very cool, got a chance to meet some very interesting people doing that, learn some interesting things. Got a chance to work with lions, tigers, cougars, and jaguars for <laughs> some quite some time. Very interesting. Uh, so that was a kind of a cool past life. I uh, decided to retire off the road. Um, always been an entrepreneur. Created the little business called Submission Subs that's doing extremely well. And uh, I work from home now doing marketing for that Submission Subs. And I also help Merrittville Speedway a great deal doing some interesting things as well. Let's start with the subs because that's the thing that's very specific to this region. Um, for, I n originally knew you as the, the sub shop on, on, I think it was Pelham Road to begin with. And uh, yeah, I guess you guys have moved to a new location since then. But uh, So that, that all started as a, a goal towards getting to retirement? Exactly, exactly. I was just looking for a business that would be something simple to operate, something simple to promote. And uh, I've always been a fan of sub shops. Having traveled across Canada extensively, uh, eaten at many sub shops, and many of them said, oh, I love how they did this, or you know, why would they do that? And got a chance to um, experience that. So when I opened a sub shop, I knew the things that I'd like to see in a sub shop, and that's kind of how we started. I think it really hits on the, the value-oriented side of subs, because you can get a way better deal there than any of the mainstream sub shops. There's always a, a deal for two subs, or whatever, for like seven seventy seven or or somewhere around nine sixty nine now, right. right? Is it? But you I, know, I've seen the promotional one recently, but still on Sundays we two subs. But you know, our goal was not necessarily to be the cheapest sub shop in town either, right? Because a good price is only a good price, providing you're getting quality, right? Of course. I mean, you could put peanut butter on a sub, and would that be worth? What's that worth, right? Sort of thing. So you know, we take pride in the fact that we're super fresh. We take pride in the fact that. You know, everything is purchased here locally. It supports local businesses. And, uh, you know, we pick out the tomatoes with our own eyes and the cucumbers with our own eyes. And we pick them that we would for our home. And we do that daily. So, super fresh. And, uh, it seemed to uh, take off, right? We consider ourselves working people serving working people, right? So, yeah, they hold up quite well for, I mean, yeah, so they are cheap, but they're very good subs. I've gone there to eat many times. And, and for the working people, it's interesting too, because almost everybody I hear that knows about you guys, they go there on their lunch break or, or whatever when they're at work because it's a, a good place for that. I yeah. guess Jesse's guilty of that. I have. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I mean, BD's gets subs delivered quite frequently, and that's how I was introduced to you guys, just through a grab bag of subs that a bunch of people ordered. And then I met you, and we talked, and here we are. You know, and I think that's part of the uh, solution, too, for um, small business owners is getting to know your clientele. We have probably 3,000 regular customers, and I would say 2,000 of them I know by first name. So when people come in, it's nice to say, hey, Susan, or hi, Joanne, or hi, Frank, or Eric, or, you know, whatever your name is, to, to greet them. I think that, you know, it's like cheers. People like to go where people know their name, right? 
And, um, and also, many times when they walk in, we already know what they want. You're looking for the meatball sub again, or looking for the veggie sub with double cheese. Which is delicious, get. by the way. Um, thank you. I want to say. But, uh, but that's how you get the, I think that's part of uh, being a mom and pop business, opposed to some of the corporates. Uh, you know, I'm not mentioning any names, but, you know, it's, um, we take the time to get to know our customers, because we are local, we live here, and, and we serve our neighbors, right? So... I'm a little bit curious because you mentioned earlier looking and, and seeing good and bad practices from other sub shops. What are some of the things that really stand out as far as making a sub business unique and, and successful in your mind? Well, not so much just a sub business, but any food business. First of all, I think it has to be super clean. There's, yes. no, there's no bigger turnoff than going into a food establishment that is not super, super clean. So this is something that is right at the top of our list. Like when you walk into our shop, it smells clean, it is clean, and it is and it, because it is clean. Um, you know, our countertops, we, we, we wipe them down, sanitary, you know, probably every five or 10 minutes. So, you know, our front door, we clean three or four times a day. We mop our floors a couple times a day. Um, you know, all our, all our employees wash their hands be immediately before, before they touch your food. If they touch the cash, they which is the law, by the way, okay? <laughs> but just a lot of places you go to, no bigger turnoff than to have someone answer the phone or have their money in the till, and all of a sudden now they're making your food and they never uh, put on gloves or wash their hands or anything, um, which is, you know, a, strict, a violation in the health code. But secondly, you know, now you have to eat this, right? So that's to me, is a big turnoff, right? Sounds like pretty good advice. Um, what is it when you came up with your your uh, lists of subs that you were offering? I mean, you're kind of a a official sub king of Niagara, right? Well, it so depends on who you ask, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, you know, we we we're a little mom and pop business, so you know. But you're a popular and ever growing mom and pop business. So did you, you've probably consumed a lot of subs in your life is basically what I'm getting to. Because now that you, you own one, I assume you had to field test your subs extensively. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple things we did. First of all, we went out and we purchased sub buns from almost every bake shop in Niagara. Hmm. Okay. So we found the bake shop that we enjoyed the best. Um, our own self, and then we invited some family and friends over. We made some little mini subs with some different buns, and we asked our friends to vote on which sub buns they preferred the best. And by far, we had a clear-cut winner is where we get our buns from now. Uh, the second thing is that, you know, my grandparents had a, a deli. My, my father had a butcher, butcher shop and a deli. So it's in your blood. So hey, I never thought it would be because I told my father, you know, <laughs> rest, in, rest in heaven, okay, that I would never go into a deli type of business because I was always the entertainer. Um, you know, he could have his, his sandwich shops and his butcher shops. But, but growing up, I remember going to the meat counter and grabbing a nice fresh piece of kibasa, for example, or a nice salami. Made supper before this. And uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, and so growing up, I always gravitated towards the kibasas and the salamis and the nice honey hams and and things like that. So when I opened up a sub shop, a I tried to find the best meat I could possibly find, and secondly, is I I look for the kibasas and the salamis that I kind of grew up with. So. You know, because I think if you sell top-notch product, um, like again, 
people will, it's not so much a lower price, but people will pay, people don't mind paying extra, but they just want good service, right? And, and with us, we calculated what we needed to make a fair return and to make sure that every single customer was getting value for their money, right? It makes it more impressive when it's, it's that well thought out and, and such a high quality product and it still costs less than the competition. Well, you know, just follow one simple rule, just treat others the way you want to be treated, right? And that's kind of a simple rule that we have. So I know it's kind of a cliche, but it's something that we really try to strive for. And hey, we're human, we make mistakes and we have made mistakes and we've messed up orders and, you know, but we learn from that process and you make it right and move on. But you, you keep the, uh, the respect, um, I think with our customers, it's, it's a two-way street. We give respect and we get respect. And I'll, t I'll tell you things, you know, when we first moved to our area, many people came to us and warned us saying, you know, this was a formerly a rough part of town. This mm -hmm. is kind of a, um, maybe not the most, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the working people who live in this area and, and, and they're gonna rob you blind, right? We never found that. We found that we treated people with respect and they gave us the ultimate respect. I mean, there was one day a, a gentleman came into my store and uh, he gave me a $10 bill, I gave him change. And he said, I gave you a 20. And I said, no, sir, you gave me a 10. He said, no, no, I gave you a 20. So I said, you know, of course you're right. So I, I gave him the other 10, uh, here you go, no problem. And two days later, he came back to my shop and said, when he went home, he checked his pocket and he realized that he did in fact give me the 10 and he apologized and gave the $10 back. He said, I know how hard you folks work here and I couldn't dare take this $10 from you knowing how hard that you work. Uh, to make this happen here in Western Hill for all of us, me included. And he apologized and gave me the $10 back. To me, that's the ultimate respect, uh, yes. to be able to have that kind of relationship with yeah. your customers. And that is certainly where we you know, aim to, to have. Um, we've also had customers who come in and uh, say, you know, for whatever, I don't have my money with me. And we've said, here's your subs, right? And come back and pay us. And that, and every single one has. So. The respect, give yes. and take, right? Do any of these customers really like ever express an opinion about something they think could benefit the business or, or something they'd like to see sure, that isn't sure, there now? Sure, and that's how we've grown. Now, we also have to uh, pick and choose because everybody has an opinion of, uh, of something, right? Um, there's a couple things that we are really, really grateful for. First of all, on Facebook, we have over 500 reviews. Okay, and there's companies that do 20, 30 million dollars a year that do not have 500 reviews. True. Okay, so for us to uh, be a little mom and pop business with 500 people to go online to give you a five star review saying, wow, great product, great service, that's pretty amazing because to get 500 reviews, first of all, you do have to serve a lot of people. Um, and secondly, most people are very busy in life. They come, they enjoy, they thank you profusely but then they go home and they forget about it. They don't go home and say, well, I'm gonna take out my phone and just leave an amazing review for the service I had today. So I think in order to get those types of reviews, I think that you either A, have to serve a lot of people and B, you have to really make an impact on them, right? Um, and sometimes it's, a, it's to us, it's, a, it's the simplest of things. It's opening the door for someone. It's saying, we appreciate you being here. Sometimes it's just saying, thank you. And how many businesses do you go to in a day where they don't even say thank you? They throw their money on the counter, here's your change, right, you know? I think a lot of the businesses I go to, I, I do have quite a pleasant experience at, even in the store. 
the one thing that I think is different with you guys is the social media presence, the being online. I think that has a lot to do with people wanting to leave reviews because they see you as a as a, almost a character on 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 Facebook and and wherever else you might prom- promote yourself. Just because I I don't go to submission subs necessarily every week, but I like to follow the the Facebook page and just see you know what's the sub of the day or, or whatever it is. It's it's interesting. Well, my goal is not to have you eat subs every single day. My, my goal probably is probably a good thing. Probably a good thing, honest. right? But <laughs> my right. goal is that when you do think of having a sub, that you do consider submission, mm. right? And that's all we can hope for. Mm. Now, we do have some customers that come three or four times a week, and we love them to death. But all we're hoping for, and we have some customers that come once a month, and we have some customers that come three or four times a year. But, you know, we, in fact, we have a lot of customers that don't even live in this area. They're from Hamilton or Caledonia or Burlington. But every time they come to St. Catharines, they stop by submission. And uh, it, what's interesting, too, is when they come in, I'm like, hey, John, haven't seen you eight months. What's going on in Cambridge this week? He's like, wow, you remember me? He's like, of course I do. I'll see you next time you're back in town, right? So that goes a long ways. Yeah, it's very personal. Um, I'm kind of curious. Is there... Is, is this a, is the Niagara region a really good place to be for people that have aspirations perhaps in the food industry they, they want to get into to business and, and they think food's the way to go do you, do you see that or, or is it really tricky to get off the ground for the most part well I think any business will fly just about anywhere just a matter of you have to set it up right you have to find your right location you have to determine who is your um, audience who's your customers like with submission, we realized right in the beginning that we had two different demographics, right? One is during lunch hour, we have a lot of working folks who come by submission um, and they're out and about, they're delivering, they're truck drivers, they're um, picking up, um, you know, the, a lot of delivery people, a lot of heating, you know, electricians, pipe fitters, mechanics, they're going out and doing their calls. and between 12 and 2 we have uh, an amazing uh, working force that come we also deliver to a lot of the industries like BD's and you know THK and different companies like that all during lunch hour now after 5 p.m. our demographics completely change after 4 p.m. most of our orders after 4 p.m. are families who buy our family special the four pubs four sops pardon me the four subs four pop uh, family special and we deliver it to their home and that's kind of after 4 p.m. And you'll find, okay, even if you look back on my Facebook page, you'll find that um, any posts in the morning I promote, I'm always promoting my two subs for 969. You don't see me promoting my family special all much during the day. And if you look at 3 p.m. and onwards, almost all my posts are um, saying, hey, we have the family special for subs, for pops, 23 bucks, right? And it's because I know my numbers, my demographics, and so you have to get to know your clientele that way as well, right? So you said you deliver. Is that is there multiple people out there delivering these things, or we just partnered with a local delivery company? They come in, uh, they pay for the order, they deliver it, they add five dollars to the total, Hmm. and we deliver it right to your home. Five dollars in St. Catharines, six dollars anywhere in Thorold, and we deliver right to your home. And we have a lot of people that are not able to drive physically or they don't have a license or the car's not working or it's just, you know, um, single parents and it's not worth loading up all the kids to make a drive into St. Catharines. So for five bucks. And that's the other beauty too. For example, on Sundays, we do the four subs, four pops for $20. 
So even if you paid $5 delivery, you're still looking at $25 for four subs, four pops. You still couldn't touch that anywhere, right? No, it's that true. Works, that works for us. Um, I want to want to go back and go back to the past because this has always been a part of you that has intrigued me. Because when I was younger, and even in the past few years, I love magic. I'm a big magic guy. So how did it all start? I know there's there's a there's a very good story at the beginning, and let's let's go through your uh, your treasure trove of experiences there. Hmm. But I know it started way back when you were young. So we're going way back, not way back, not. Uh, way back is in the bad way, but we're going back. <laughs> long, long, long ways before all this stuff was invented, for sure. Yes. All this technology. But, um, you know, I grew up in a small town, Dunville, Ontario. Um, I stuttered most of my life. I was bullied a lot because of my stuttering. Um, I grew up um, not with my parents most of my life. I, I lived with a lot of different relatives. Lived with one for six months or a year and on to another relative for quite some time. Um, but the, the stuttering definitely kept me off the playground for obvious reasons. So I would just gravitate towards a library at recess time to be safe. But I always would kind of aim towards the magic books. And I would practice these little magic tricks. And one day I went to my principal and I'm like, you know, pick a card. And he was very patient with me and he picked a card and, you know, Abracadabra was able to magically reveal his card. And he's like, wow, that was so amazing. That was so good. You know, go out in the yard and show those kids right over there. I'm like, those are the kids who beat me up every day, right? He took my books. This kid always trips me. This kid always calls me names. These two guys, you know, try to shove me in the locker and all those things, okay? And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll go for you. You'll be safe. Just go show them this cool trick. So scared to death, right? I put my big boy pants on. I go out, you know, pick, 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 pick a card, and I was able to get it right. And they're like, wow, that was really cool. That was really cool. And I come back in and my principal said, I am so proud of you. And I go back to class. And a couple days later, he come knocking on the classroom door, asked if I could be excused. I thought maybe I'm in trouble somehow. Hmm. And he said, Mr. Hagerty, there's a very large magic show coming to Hamilton and all the greatest European illusionists on this big tour. And I bought five tickets to the show, but there's only four people in my family. I have this extra ticket. So I had a magic draw. And from all the kids at the school, you won this lucky ticket. I'm like, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> he said, remember this, it, it could have been anybody. <laughs> you know, at that point, he said it could have been anybody, but it, it would just happen to be you. You know, he, he gave me a little dignity that day. He didn't say, um, I know that you don't have a good home life. I know you're a stutter. I know you're a foster kid. Here, I feel sorry, here's your ticket. He said, well, just a random draw that I happened to win. Hmm. And I got to go. And I seen this very large magic show that was traveling the world. And I told my principal, that's what I'm gonna do one day. And he looked right at me and he said, yes, you are. Wow. And I believed him. Started doing tricks. And in grade 12, the last day of school, they have the principal's awards of achievement where they honor five or six students who've done great things um, throughout their high school years. And 99% of all the ones who was awarded either done something um, extreme in athletics or academics. You know, they had 99% average. Well, I wasn't one of those guys. Or they set the records at the track team, right? But the last one, he called me to the stage and he gave me an award of achievement. Uh, 
And I got a standing ovation from the thousand kids that would pick on me throughout the high school years. I got a standing ovation from them. Hmm. And I went on uh, from there, and I raised over $5 million from nonprofit groups as an illusionist. I went to 8,000 schools to inspire other principals and children to believe in themselves and follow their dreams. And it all started from, from there. So. That is quite an inspiring story. Yeah, I suppose you'd heard it before, which is why you thought it was I've heard it, yes. Cool. Um, when we talk about magic as a landscape, were you always big time illusions or did you like, are you a card person or anything like that? Like what? I, I know some basics uh, of the card tricks. I don't, you know, there's, I don't consider myself an expert by any means. I mean, I know the basics. I know enough to get by, but there are some, especially when you look on America's Got Talent yes. and all that some now. crazy. Uh, um, and how much has advanced yes. over the years and that. Um, and now they have the, they can enhance it with technology way more than we ever could. So it's definitely a, a growing um, back when I graduated from grade 12, my guidance counselor was like, name one illusionist in Canada making a hundred grand a year. And other than Doug Henning, I really couldn't think of anybody. And also he was making it about the money, I guess. Right, well he was saying that it's, it may not be a viable career choice, right? right? Because there was nobody, uh, you know, you don't go to grade 12, become an illusionist, become successful, right? He's saying, go get a, a real job kind of thing. But I think nowadays, um, you know, many, many years later, we're not pushing our children now to go get steady jobs because steady jobs are a thing of the past where you go and get a job and you're there for 35 years and get a good pension. Now we're contractors and we're all providing a service and. Um, yeah, there's a little different outlook up post time. Whereas when in grade twelve, he was saying that being an illusionist. Well, and don't forget too, I, st I stuttered, so not a big market for stuttering magicians, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so how was the 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 how did the process go from grade twelve wanting to be an illusionist to being somebody who has raised over five million dollars? Like it, you. You obviously didn't start right out of the gate raising five million dollars. So was it a struggle? Like, did you? How did you come to be? Because well, I have a deck of cards, right? Yeah. I can entertain people with a deck of cards, but I can't go on stage. So how did you design your show? How did that? Like, what? Well, I'm self-taught, you know, back then uh, for sure. I'm now obviously went to see a lot of magic shows um, and that. But I Fun think business expenses. Right. I think one of the things that really helped me in the beginning um, was uh, I was able to land two or three super big gigs um, that I kind of went after. One was in 1986, the Gramazians chose me to open their famous West Edmonton Mall. Hmm. So I got, to do, got the chance to do their little grand opening for about 140,000 people there. Wow. But putting that on my resume saying that I opened West Edmonton Mall was a biggie. Um, 1989, I got a chance to do two shows for them into Oilers. One, um, I actually performed with the Oilers as part of their uh, All-Star Game, 1989 All-Star Game. They had a Molson's house and I got a chance to involve some of the players on my show. And then um, later that year, I went back to uh, Northlands Coliseum and I actually did the Edmonton Oilers Christmas party. Got a chance to meet all the players and all their wives and children as part of that. So a couple of those big shows in the early 80s really uh, helped with credibility per se. 
but um, but I always had a passion for wanting to help others, uh, you know, uh, whether it be food banks or whether it be um, children or schools. I always wanted to kind of take my story to inspire others. And what I found was that there was um, most of the magicians, none of them were working with nonprofit groups. They, they were looking to do more of the corporate gigs and that type of thing. Whereas I'm saying, uh, I, I go to a local nonprofit group and say, how about we work together? How about we fill this arena full of people? Let's do an inspirational magic show and let's kind of share in the rewards. So I would make a living and they would get some tremendous uh, exposure and awareness. And then I found that a lot of companies and businesses would come alongside me as local champions to help sponsor and partner with me so that I could make this happen. And I was able to go into 8,000 elementary schools at no charge. So 8,000 schools I visited all for free. I got paid by my sponsors and champions. They got a little recognition for making good things happen in their community. And then in each community, we would invite all those schools back to a bigger location. We would do a bigger show. And it would be to help the firefighters or the schools or, um, you know, some other big cause, right? That you touched on it. And from a marketing standpoint, when we did your your uh, TED Talk at Merrickville, um, you pointed out something that I had never thought about before. He does a bunch of, he did a bunch of acts at schools mm-hmm. with sponsors from the community and you're not allowed to spawn like you're not allowed to advertise in schools right am i remembering right right. that's right but because the show was brought to you by so-and-so it's a way to actually advertise to our youth yeah yeah um you know schools are kind of a fairly protected audience you cannot go in and promote with the school but if you're actually doing a fundraising event for the school that's maybe helping the schools and the firefighters or helping the schools and and the food bank um, and you're going and just giving this away on, you know, thanks to whatever company may be sponsoring this. It's a way of um, getting some recognition to the community leaders and it's helping the school, right? Because most entertainers will go to the schools and say, this is my fee. I will go to the schools and say, not only do I want to perform for free, but how about I pay you for coming here, right? It's a little different approach there as well, right? It puts a, a different perspective on some of the people who would come to the school, schools that I attended while growing up and did similar things. I know that there was um, a magician that would come when I was in, in elementary school and, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I never really thought about how that happened or what kind of cooperation took place to make it possible, but yeah, it's interesting thinking back on that now. It, um, it, I mean, it happened when I was growing up too. There'd be uh, all these... Not all these entertainers, but there'd be special events where somebody would come in and you never think about the behind the scenes and whatnot, but that does make sense. I guess to keep it simple, what I try to do as an illusionist, as a sub shop owner, um, even my role in helping Merrickville Speedway create unique events, just to create win-win partnerships. How can we work together so that you win and I win? And many times I find that most business owners try to kind of go it alone. They want to do everything on their own. Well, you can't be good at everything, right? So it's nice to trade off whether the business is saying, well, how about I help you with your social media and how about you fix my vehicles kind of thing, right? And, and you can kind of trade off that way. Or if, like for example, uh, when I work with Merrickville Speedway, um, you know, they're only open 14 or 15 Saturdays throughout the year. 
and normally they're at 80 or 90 percent attendance but they have a couple hundred empty seats every night so i went out to some local nonprofit groups and say you know we have a program called miracle gives back right why don't you help us to fill those some of those empty seats and why don't we split some of that revenue back with your cause so we have a number of schools or organizations so they win and, and miracle wins so all I did is I have someone over here who needs help and I have schools over here who need help and I just introduce the two together. Right? So it doesn't really have to be something specifically that you're looking out for. It's just some, something that needs help basically in the community. Go out and find people to help. Hmm. Say, what is it that you want? And if I can help you make it happen, I will. Now the thing is this, if I know what you want as a business owner, if I can come out and help you to get that, are you more likely or less likely to do business with me in the future? Of course it's more likely. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Improving relationships, networking, that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and I think that as a business owner, we're always trying to find ways of convincing the customer that we can help them. One of the best ways sure. to convince somebody you can help them is just go help them. Up front. Saying, well, how about I do this, this, and this for you? Right? And, and you help them asking nothing in return right now obviously most of many of these people will come back to you now either a to reciprocate that the law of reciprocity where i help you you're intended to maybe help me back because i did something great for you and the same thing with our customers at submission we, we do great things for them but they're always doing great things back for us but you give and you get right kind of I scratch their back and they scratch mine kind of thing, right? You give a little love and it all comes back to you. That's a, it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we don't, we try to incorporate a little bit into the photography and videography stuff we do in some charitable organizations we work with. I don't really know. Is there, is there more that we should be doing, you think, Jesse? Well, it's hard. It's, there's probably a lot that can be done, but it's finding a way that it's that will work like it has to on, be win-win on the wedding side of things it's a one it's more or less a one-time transaction i was yes. talking with somebody about it a little while ago and the thing about it is is we are going back into the wedding show circuit and once you start doing that and you start to think we are putting a ton of eggs in a basket to try to get a customer once now, if you do a really good job, and a lot of photographers do a really good job with that, you can get them to come back for family photos, right? Maybe once they have a family, maybe anniversary photos and whatnot. But realistically, for a lot of people, you're spending a ton of money to hope you have one, a one-time customer with referrals as well. But um, on the business side of things, Sure, there's a lot that can be done, but I find that in some situations, a lot of businesses don't, you know, we'll, we'll break it down, don't use like a barter or win-win situation anymore, at least. Maybe we got to start trading wedding packages for like a some kind of automotive mechanic to look at our vehicles. You know, but, 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 here, but here's an idea too, okay? You know, one of the things that... I always like to recommend is to identify first of all uh, like who would be like who would be your top 100 influencers that could lead you to your customers 
because I think a lot of business owners, you know, especially on the websites and social media, they're trying to attract attention. They're trying to drive traffic mm -hmm. to them. I'm saying find out where the traffic already is. So maybe like and, and just go in front of them, right? So if you were to make a list of who would be your top 50 or 100 influencers that could lead you to your perfect customers, like who would they be? And is there, and is there a way that you can cross promote with them opposed to marketing to the world? Just market to 50 people or 100 people that could lead you to your perfect customers. For us, it's a lot of the venues. Which? Because they get booked first by people looking yes, to get married. Which sometimes unfortunately comes with a price tag right like i could go to and we won't mention any names because some of them are free some of them are yeah. i go to a lot of venues and i could spend a lot of money to get on their preferred vendor list that's not win-win right it's no. a pay to play situation. it's pay to play right it has no i could be really shit i could be a really bad photographer and i could pay a thousand to three thousand dollars a year to be on a venue's list and at the end of the day i'm on the list but the work doesn't show it so they're just yeah. taking my money. No, then that then I that's not a good partner either, right? Yeah. But I mean, there may be some who would, um, you know. And I don't know your wedding business, but you know, the other thing is too is that who can you partner with that already has an existing business, an existing following that would incorporate you guys into doing something that they don't offer? Like, make, give me an example, okay? Like maybe somebody in the catering business mm -hmm. who already does a ton of caterers, sure. already does a ton of weddings. But they're not into the photography or the music side or whatever, but there might be a possible partnership there. I'm just saying that could lead you to your perfect customers. Right? That would be just one example. It's right? something we've definitely talked about and been curious about for a long time. I think that the cynical side of it is a lot of artists, I guess, in this type of business, and they're all very egotistical people, ourselves included, maybe sometimes. but Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky because everybody's out for themselves, and it's... You know, why would I pay somebody to do this or why would I do this for somebody else when maybe I'm not getting what I, I think I deserve in return? It's very selfish, really. It is. Yeah. I will tell you, though, Claude, we um, we have been hoping to deal uh, with more and more families, right? We did our Easter photos, which went well. We're going to do summertime photos and Christmas photos and all that. And if we found... You know, a nice win-win scenario where we could talk with somebody who happens to have a following of families, who specifically said he marketed <laughs> to families on a nightly basis. But I know we've talked about that before. But it made him laugh, so it was that is funny. <laughs> it was worth it. I don't know if there's a big demographic of people that are interested in subs, but also very interested in photography. Well, you know, and, and, and again, there's lots of unique cross promotions. And I mean, I could give you one here just as an example. You know, one of the things that we do at Submission is we have a pretty cool loyalty program, right? We, I believe, let me start with this basic concept, okay? I kind of made a decision in the beginning that A, we were going to spend not a whole lot on advertising. And if we were going to spend money on advertising, we would do this in a little different manner. And here's what we would decided to do. Any money we were going to spend, we we're going to spend it on rewarding our existing customers rather than attracting new customers. Customer acquisition is more expensive than keeping. Okay. That's so, um, so if I'm going to, you know, so we find ways to reward our regulars. So one of the things that we did is when they come in, we have a low T card, they stamp their card, they get 24 stamps, they get two free subs of your choice. 
okay, which is nothing novel by that in any means. I mean, lots of businesses do that. What we do is when they redeem their card, we take their card and put it to a VIP drum. Hmm. And a couple times a month, we go live on Facebook or on special occasions or just, you know, every once in a while. We'll, we'll give that drum a shake and we'll pull out five or six cards and we give away some pretty cool prizes, right? And what happens is that these become so popular, uh, we get two or 3,000 people watching the video. They share that to 10 to 15,000 people could watch that video. So last year we had companies like um, like Niagara Jet Boats donated some really awesome tickets. Um, I got some tickets to, uh, it used to be the Flyboard Niagara. Now it's called uh, Pirate's Cove, I think, right down in the... Prudhomme's Landing there, right? Where we give somebody uh, day passes so they go to kayaking for the day or they go on the, um, you know, all the water events there. And these prizes are donated to submission to me to give away. So I already have a, a, a very large social media following so I can promote local businesses um, so that they get a little recognition. For example, I could take a certificate for um, family photos, maybe it's a, a $200 value, I could give it away as one of my gifts. So I promote you for a week or two leading up to that. I give that to one of my submission customers who get extra value. So what happens? One of my customers get extra value, all my fan base gets to know who you folks are, and you um, give a certificate of some sort, whether it's one photo or a package of photos or whatever you want to give away. So. I mean, that's one example, but who else could you do that with, right? See, oh, the thing course. is, too, you also have to look at the par referral, right? Because it's one thing um, to, it, it, for you to advertise. It's another thing when you're um, referred or recommended or endorsed, right? For example, if you went to get your hair cut and you normally pay, you know, 25 bucks and you get your hair cut, but what if on the way out, the guy said, the butcher, or the barber shop said, the butcher. butcher. Yeah. yeah. That's a well, bad yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, drink to that. So what happens if the barber or, or the hairstylist said, you know, um, we really appreciate you coming in. You're, you're a regular here. I know you come here every single month. My friend Tony has a gas station down there. Why don't you take this little coupon and he's going to give you $10 off your next oil change. He's my cousin, my brother, my friend, and he'll do a bang-up job for you as a thank you for coming to get your haircut today. Just, I, I, if you ever need an oil change, I highly recommend him, okay? A little different than you just getting a coupon in the mail saying $10 off an oil change. Somebody that you know, like, and trust, right, referred you. It comes with an authenticity. Exactly, and odds are you would take that and, and, you, would, and you would use that. And so for five or ten dollars off, that business owner could perhaps gain a valuable customer. And my goal is when people come in for the very first time at submission, A, we welcome them. Uh, we let them know we appreciate them stopping into mom and pop shop. We explain our loyalty program. Many times we'll buy them a soft drink or whatever to welcome them and start off with a relationship. Um, so if we can have one of our cross-promotional partners bring us that new customer, that is invaluable to us. There's an interesting psychology phenomenon called cognitive dissonance. And this goes a little bit counter to what you suggested, which I think what you suggested is an interesting idea. But I'll give you an example. There is a customer that is um, at a pharmacy and, they're, and they decided they need toothpaste because they've run out. 
and they they're looking through the toothpaste and they see one that is or perhaps on this is more along the lines of getting something in the mail but they see one that's on on sale or you know it's 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 really cheap and they buy it there's this weird thing where they're, they're very unlikely to become a loyal customer of this brand mostly because they can tell themselves well i started using this product because it was cheap or it was you know practically free or whatever it is and then from there on out once it's regular price they don't touch the product anymore i don't know i mean it's more along the lines of getting the coupon in the mail compared to your your story where it brings authenticity because you know you're it's heavily recommended it's it's i i don't really know if cognitive dissonance would play into into that at all where even if it is recommended by somebody there's still the thing in the back of somebody's head where they'll use the coupon but they might not consider the going back to there in the future. And then that's where, in a service-based industry, you, I mean, you buy a tube of toothpaste using the toothpaste, and you use it for three months or however long a tube of toothpaste lasts. That's that. Your teeth most likely remain the same. Hopefully they at least flatline and you don't lose you them. Might, you probably won't have any noticeable difference. If you no, change it. but if you got... A ten dollar off coupon to an oil change place, and we'll use the place that I go to as an example. They're called Lincoln Valley Automotive. They're a great place. <laughs> um, they, right from the get go, treated me unlike any other car place, even before they knew me. And I went. I can't remember initially why I went, but they didn't treat me like I was dumb. They explained me. They explained to me what was wrong and whatnot wasn't with the oil change the oil change is just an example um and i've been going back ever since so even with a coupon the customer experience can change it because you may come back and i guess if you are excessively happy with it there's there's some industries where good a, a proper you know done job it might stand out in your case, but let's just say a more typical oil changer. There's many in the region that, you know, it's 15 minutes or less or whatever kind of thing, and you go and you get your oil, oil changers. Really nothing super positive happens at most of those places. There isn't the, the friendly, warm at, like, atmosphere that a lot of places... Or, and I always tear them had. down because I always want to make sure they're But not people keep up. going back to their time and time again. It's the time they have a bad experience where somebody's rude to them or something. That's when they leave. And it's hard to maybe, I guess... It's it's hard to get rid of bad press, pretty much. Oh yes, bad press is so, horrible. Yeah, which is why, I mean, nowadays businesses have to really curate all their press because you can't have bad reviews, at least empty or unanswered bad reviews. There's some companies that's, out there that reply to their good reviews but ignore their bad ones. That, that's an interesting thing. If you get a bad review and maybe it. Probably happen at some yeah. point. Yeah. What's what's the recourse for that? Well, first of all, you know, there's two things you have to take in mind. Okay, one is that you, first thing is trying to make it right, saying, "Hey, Absolutely. man, first of all, we messed up. It was our fault. We messed up, so we take ownership to that." Okay. Secondly, apologize. Hey, you know, Jesse, I'm sorry that, that wasted your time here today. That you didn't get the results or the sandwich or whatever that you wanted. And thirdly, is how can I make this up to you? Okay. So that's part of it. You also have to take in mind too, okay, unfortunately, the internet is full of people who write bad reviews hoping to get free food. Meanwhile, they were never in your restaurant. That's true. That's true. Okay? So first of all, you have to authenticate. Is this a real complaint? And B, um, how can I make it right? Okay? But I've had plenty of both. 
Well, you know, we've made mistakes, we've made it right. I've also had comp people that saying that we mess up their sub and they've never been in our sub shop before. How can you be sure of that? I have a camera for one. So, yeah. when, so when was it you had a better experience? Let's play it back and, okay. and, and check it out. So, so that's one thing I have in my favor. So you know that. How do you, what do you do about the online? You just leave it or you? No, we, we try to address it. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, is there a time where we could talk? Um, can I call you? Can we private message? But let's, let's sort this out, right? right. Uh, and obviously, and you know, we've had times where, again, we've, we're human, we've made mistakes. We, we own up to them and as every business owner should, right? You know? I think we don't leave any review of any sort really sort of unanswered as far no, as what's we, we always answer, thankfully. Um, we definitely don't have 500 reviews, but uh, the reviews that we do have are always glowing. Um, I'm very proud of that. We have had some uh, less than happy brides in the past for reasons that... I, I I think photography it's an art so it's yeah. subjective it's harder to it's harder to place than there, asking for no tom, no tomatoes on a side I'll be more getting, I'll be a bit more specific there's one specific case where yes, things very photos specific. that I edited had weird some of the best photos we've ever taken I'm still gonna say that a, a yeah. few of them a few of the 500 photos maybe maybe a dozen had strange discolorations and things that perhaps should have been taken out. And it was an interesting situation because there's always the feeling within yourself like, well, did I do the best that I could? And, and in the situation, I thought, well, okay, the, the reason the colors are the way they are is because in the environment, the, the grass was reflecting up on the dress and made the dress look quite green, which is, is true. But I don't know. I, I was, I've had mixed feelings. But I'll tell you this too, though. If nothing ever goes wrong, you will never learn anything and progress either. Oh, no, so some of my biggest breakthroughs have come right as a result of my biggest failures. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. How do we fix this so this never ever happens again? What do we learn from this? How can we do better next time? And, and that's the only thing you can hope for because, I mean, too, if you, if you have a perfect business from the get-go, you're probably not pushing the envelope either, right? So um, I'm not saying purposely make mistakes, but I mean... Crap happens, and that's how you learn, right? So, good or bad, you know, that's how you kind of learn to say, wow, let's not this happen again, right? How do we correct this, right? Mm -hmm. And I know with us, even at submission or uh, through the magic shows or everything, all these little things that happen um, is what kind of helps you to steer the ship, saying, right? Is the, the magic, I don't know how much you know about comedy shows necessarily, but... Is it like comedy shows in that the comedian or magician in this case will have an act, they'll have some kind of set and they'll just they'll keep, you know, touring or, or, or going to venues and they'll work on it. They'll look at the response from the audience and of course. they'll just keep building up. So you know, and the thing is too, not you know, there is no one side fits all yes. um, presentation for everybody. Right? Who's your audience again? Are, are you performing for children? Are you performing for families? Are you performing strictly for adults? You know, is it men and women together or is it just, you know, so who, who are you performing for and, and, and what are they looking for? And, um, and it's the same thing with advertising or getting your message out. You know, who is your audience and then shape your message around who's going to see that. Um, so you could have an illusion or a presentation or a comedy skit and you may change it slightly. Uh, the wording, maybe, maybe the language, maybe, depending on, in this case, profanity would be okay in this case it maybe wouldn't be okay and, and that's just an example but you know what the, the content itself you may switch out 10 percent 
saying I'm going to take this gig out, I'm going to put this one in because I'm performing here opposed to there. So I think you should tweak it a little bit that way, my, my personal opinion. But hmm, Interesting. I, I know, I guess a comedian's a bit more of a select audience for a, a lot of the mainstream comedians. They, they're always going to be just filling theaters full of mixed adults and, and you got to, for them, they got to pick what's what's best really to, to define themselves. But, but a magician, yeah, you, you could definitely be a performing to an audience of just children and that. So, yeah, you got to be quite versatile. In that you know, and, and there are some performers who specialize that they are children's entertainers or they are trade show magicians now or there are corporate magicians. So they just perform for corporate gigs. That's it. Hmm. There's others who kind of general practitioner where they do a little bit of everything, right? I saw a Niagara-based magician a little while ago and he was specifically there for children. And I've seen kids magicians that I have thoroughly enjoyed. He, if this was, he was all groaner jokes. Like, oh my god! Do the kids like it? <laughs> that's the question. Yeah, yes, well, but that... there, but there's that, there's that Pixar idea, right? Like, you can have a show that's good, that's family friendly, where the adults enjoy it as well. And I've seen magicians like that. This guy, it was just he opened with a fart joke. The kids thought it was funny. Hmm. Like I've never seen a magician do that. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. Yeah, do you warm up the audience? I don't know who this person is, but <laughs> well, because I didn't give him a glowing review, we won't reveal his name. No, that's fair. Um, the the touring. Um, we've talked to other artists. Like magic is an art form. You're an entrepreneur, but it some points in the career it's been an artistic entrepreneurial go what did you like about touring was there was there anything you really loved oh yes first of all um i got a chance to meet some cool people like up in i, I remember going to the yukon and doing shows up in the yukon in february I, I drove a school bus from here to whitehorse in the yukon in, Why a school bus? Uh, because that's what I could afford back in 1980, okay? <laughs> it was a green bus. Okay. And, uh, you know, I put all my illusions inside there. And I, and I drove from here up to Whitehorse in the Yukon. And I was up there for 90 days performing in the Yukon Jeez. in February. Could you turn over the diesel engine when it got cold outside? Uh, let it run a lot of nights, right? <laughs> that, that was an experience I'll never, ever forget. I mean, uh, going to performing in Newfoundland like 10 times and actually taking tigers on the ferry to Newfoundland and, and, and performing at some of those venues. They don't even have big cats in the zoos in Newfoundland. Many of those people never seen a big no. cat up front before. Setting record attendances, raising pretty serious money for, for charity. You know, going out and, and meeting the, the fishermen, uh, catching lobsters and just talking to them in some of these little villages. And um, so that was pretty uh, amazing to be able to, um, you know, I performed at Pillsbury, 50th anniversary, and I got my picture taken with a, with a tiger and a Pillsbury Doughboy. I mean, things like that, is, when you're looking back, um, it's pretty amazing saying that was my job for 35, 38 years. Right? How did you get into working with the big cats? Um, just looking to be like a Siegfried and Roy type of show, I thought, trying to... Aiming so, for the top. Aiming, aiming for the big ones, so I got my first cat, and, you know, and that was a political nightmare in a lot of ways, too, with PETA, and, I mean, I, eventually was my demise, PETA right? gave you trouble, yeah. Oh, 
it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, and losses and that and you know it's just something that's not politically cool anymore and, and I get that right and you know my cats have passed on and that was another whole lifetime ago but for me it was something I'll never be able to forget as being able to um, tour um, when I was at home, the cats were with me at home. They went with me to work, hmm. and, and to get a chance to to work with such a thing, um, and, and two, uh, being able to support causes that was important to me. You know, it's one thing to make a living; it's another thing to make a living and actually help people along the way that really need your help, right? So you can sleep pretty good at night with what you're doing. And again, I made good decisions. I made bad decisions, and learned a lot. But it's definitely some lessons that I took with me when I open up submission or helping other people that come to me now. I'm able to um, help a lot of businesses to really simplify you know, what they do and to make it super simple so they can keep it super successful. So I got a chance to meet like literally thousands of business owners who partnered with me that were restaurants, that were realtors, that were mortgage agents. And I got a chance to learn about their businesses so now as an entrepreneur um it's nice to have that 38 years on the road of the things that i saw and did and experienced to help me to kind of navigate where i'm going from here right and what were the worst things about the road <laughs> i guess we covered a lot of good things because there's i mean there's always good things uh, we've talked to musicians who travel and they've they've talked about the good things and the bad things are always interesting because... Well, for one, you definitely miss a lot of things at home. Uh, friends are going to get married. There's going to be people that pass and that you will hope to go to their funeral. Meanwhile, you're in Victoria, British Columbia right now. Um, you know, parents' anniversaries or your sister's birthday or different things like that. So I think it's... Um, it's challenging that way. And the other thing is too, is that as an entertainer, and you're not feeling well, too bad. There's 3,000 people show waiting for your on. show, so get your butt out there and perform and make these people happy. And sometimes you're out there with a 105 fever and you know, you've you're got the flu and um, you just can't, it's not like you just can call in sick, it's like, like somebody can send in and do it for you. Which is one, something that I learned. So when I was opening up businesses now, I'm looking for businesses that don't have to have me there personally, right? So, lesson learned. <laughs> Check. <laughs> when uh, comedians talk about performing, they very candidly, very often talk about like their their best experiences, but then also their worst experiences on stage. And I've been in situations where I've I've been. You, know, you get a bad review or something like that and you get the feeling of embarrassment or something like that but it drives you drives you uh, kind of forward and better do you have a something fell I don't know what camera it's okay have a look you keep doing, doing what do you're you do you have a like defining memory or show where something kind of big went awry like I want to say that a cat got out or something like that, but do you have like a Been show? Been there and done that a few times. Oh, so, so it doesn't get any worse than that. But, Is but it um, you know, there's times where you have vehicle breakdowns. So there's been times where weather has been havoc. There's times where you've driven 24 hours to do a gig and get snowed out. Ouch. Um, you know, there's been times where you've lost control of vehicles and you've been on the side of the road broken down 
blown engines and trucks and so there's been lots of challenges that way right you know and two learning there's times where you could rent an arena and fill up full of a thousand people and there's been times when you rent an arena and 17 people will show up and you're like wow did that hurt so there's there's, there's a lot of uh ups and downs ups and downs i guess that's good i guess that's that is at the end of the day a life of a traveling and touring performer like you don't do 11,000 gigs and not have bad things happen of course not. right you know it's been uh people I, i've been injured i've had people you, you know never got attacked by a cat i have yeah. okay well, i mean that. sounds like it comes with the territory it yeah, does. sure okay yeah. and anybody who says that they work with cats for 25 years and never had any close calls would be BS on you too, right? Obviously, we're safe, and but things happen, right? In any profession, that's right? True. So again, that's how you learn to do things differently is by some of the things that went wrong. So don't be afraid of, you know. I always say, just go make a mess and clean it up. I think some people spend too much time trying to get everything perfect, and they don't end up doing anything. So I'm not saying rush out, but I'm saying don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's how you learn. And even with some of the modern inventions, some of the best inventions of all time were mistakes. True. Right? And then it's like, wow, maybe this is a different purpose or maybe this is used something else, right? And I've had times where things have happened and they've been like nightmares almost. And then you look back later and you're like, wow. And the, now you see the opportunity, right? that how to fix that or how to make it different or how to avoid that or you know just I think it just comes down to experience really no matter what you're doing the more experienced you're at but you know I always say too I never stop learning like always keep your education open I'm an avid reader I'm, I'm always looking for new ways to serve my customers better than I'm doing it now I network with other entrepreneurs online I mean I now teach entertainers all over the world how to put together shows and sponsorships so i'm an online uh, consultant that way i work with entertainers in canada u.s and australia right now but mostly on the sponsorship and the fundraising way where they i help them to put on their events so that's kind of cool and i'm able to do that from home right so the ability to do all these things from home is something that has come i guess more recently than than others just with the internet i mean it's such a powerful tool in and of itself do you see yourself being able to do what you do now without the internet? No. No. no, no. Internet's a big part. In fact, my goal now is to be able to, you know, take my laptop and go experience some of this great world and uh, take my laptop and serve those I serve, whether it's through consulting or whether it's um, helping other people to put events together wherever I may be. But as long as I have internet, and you know, the thing is too, nothing replaces face-to-face, -face, right? Okay, nothing replaces face-to-face. -face. There's no email that you could send that would ever replace you being in front of someone. But having said that, with the technologies now with Skype and Zoom and these other streaming services, I can send someone a link, they could go on to their laptop and we can have a face-to-face -face conversation and they could be 3,000 miles away. Hey, Eric, I wish I could have met you personally, but since that's not possible, since you're 3,000 miles away, how about we jump on Skype? Let's have a face-to-face -face conversation. Let's talk about who you are and the problems that you have and let's see if I can help you to find a possible solution. We're talking face-to-face -face here, hmm. right? 
we never had that technology even 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, not at all. Like even recently, even five years ago, it wasn't as common as it is now, right? So now, or I could put together a five-minute video just looking to a webcam yeah. and saying, hi, this is who I am. This is what I'm trying to do. thought I'd reach out to you. You don't know me and I don't know you, but I have an idea. Maybe we could work together to make something happen here. Watch this five-minute video. If it's of interest, email me back. If not, no harm done. It's very, uh, it's very easy to engage with with many audiences with just video format it still it does feel very personal it bridges a gap that i think writing on some kind of you know some kind of form would just never get through the, the personal touch and even i guess the video i think is a big part of it seeing facial expressions it's a it's a human need yes yeah. that's why we've kind of done a a weird transition where cell phones became obviously what they are today and texting became as big as it is but now with the new iphones and whatnot you're able to send animated uh versions of yourself and just stuff like that where uh i think it's android that actually although i saw a a digital cartoon version of you Mm -hmm. as well so we want facial interaction, and now the cartoons are giving us a, a hybrid version of it where I could send you a message as a cartoon. But, if but I, I think people, to. it depends too on, on what your goal is because sometimes we use video to inspire. Yes. Sometimes we may use video to like build relationships. Sometimes you might use video to educate and entertain. Entertain. So, and I think a good presentation probably inspires them, educates them, and entertains them. So, there's probably sometimes in a video where this is the entertaining part, this is the education part, and this is, so you may switch up your video styles, whether it be animated or cartoon or whatever, maybe that's the entertainment part. But I think if you can entertain them, inspire them, and educate them, um, depending on who your audience is, but... I use video a lot to um, not only promote, but just to connect um, with those that I work with. Um, and, and it could be different things. Like, give you a simple example, right? Rather than emailing someone, uh, like there's some programs that will work right inside of the email. So you can actually send them a video response back. Hey, Eric, I just got your email. You're asking me this, this, and this. Well. Here's my response. And I look into the camera saying, A, B, C, here you go. I send it back to them. They play that. Instead of me writing it out, they see me explaining their answer back to yeah. them, right? I didn't know they had that on an email service. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you a link. <laughs> I'm interested. Actually, um, we should post any links to any of your social media stuff for our viewers to see. We'll probably do that right at the beginning. Um, can you list maybe anything you want people to see of yours? off and we'll find it well one is you know we talked about submission uh, yep. submission subs so you know you can go to facebook.com forward slash submission subs okay uh, two i'm also um, helping merrickville speedway with a cool program called merrickville gives back um, that's merrickvillegivesback.com and okay. we simply partner with nonprofit groups they bring their following to merrickville speedway on a, on a night that they select and we share in the profits with them so it's kind of win-win that way too mm-hmm. so both i'm um, uh, and again, Lion and I, and I do the marketing from both pretty much from home, right? So, okay. which again is one of my 
again, having been on the road so much, being away from home so much, I'm trying to um, find ways now that I can do more from home, right? Which is good and a dream. Lots of people love the idea of working from home. So, you you said you're from Dunville. Are you where are you living now in the region? St. Catharines. I live in St. Catharines. Okay. About five minutes from you guys right now. So. Really. But I but I, I still like to travel a lot. And again, and wherever I go, I try to create unique events. And and I do that by just finding people to help wherever I'm going. Right. I had something to say. That's okay. Um, the the traveling thing is I, I think a passion of just about anybody so yes. long as they can find a way to sustain it. So it's interesting that you're you're working on that now to be able to you know do this from anywhere kind of thing. For us, it's a little bit more like a vacation if we get a, a destination wedding somewhere in the tropics or or something like that, which is is cool. But it's but you know, but again, it, but it's it's how you present it, right? So maybe you know if you like to travel, maybe your niche is those who are traveling outside of Canada to put on their wedding. That might be a different area that you're looking toward. I, I'm just saying, you know, but that's how you would figure that out. If traveling was something you really wanted to do, find out who is putting on Destination's wedding and how would I make it worth their while to include me on this, It, right? it would be cool to, to push more for that. I mean, making the regular stuff sustainable is, is a challenge by itself the, already. But The it, problem with Destination Weddings, and we've, we've been lucky that we did in the same year uh, we were able to go to Dominican, which was awesome, and we were able to go to PEI, which was awesome, but for different reasons. When you look at it as a business standpoint when it comes to weddings, let's let's use Cuba as an example, because good hotspot for vacationers, and their wedding scene is growing as people try to find an affordable destination wedding market. Some places we'd have to go for the entire week, right? Like just flights the way they are. We'd have Don't to. Don't you go. just hate you got to spend six days there relaxing? Well, so yes, you can work but, the one day. But you see, the problem with that is, is you can't build a business being if being on vacation, right? If we became a destination wedding business that didn't make any money because we were always on vacation, we're not going to last. Yeah. So we need to make money on the days that we're not working. So the per day, like it's all built into a package that they're basically paying a day rate on the days that we're not working, which and nobody then, wants to pay more money than probably is necessary. But. And then of course there's the added expenses of the trip and everything. So we to be just a destination wedding photographer would work if you lived in that destination it would. i i know maybe, a, maybe maybe the answer is not to become just that but you might do three or four a year like oh, that of course right and, and the other thing is too right um the other thing is too there may be some sponsor opportunities for you as well because there's also sponsors trying to get into you know the wedding as market as well too so like i don't know what kind of incentives you can, but you may find sponsors that will donate some pretty cool prizes or gifts or a way of getting to a newlywed couple, like a mortgage agent or something like that, that would be interested in promoting that group. They may help you to offset some of your costs, some of your expenses, or help you some way if there was a way that they could kind of, you know, piggyback with you. I'm not, you'd have to find the right one, but there may be some, right? That would be willing to help you that way, right? Yeah. It's it's always been on our radar, and we, we always pay attention when people say they're getting married um, in destination weddings. And if the wedding, the way I see it now, 
is if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, we're getting married in Dominican, we'd like you to come. I would charge them full price because I've already been there to shoot a wedding. Outside of the fact that the photos would dramatically have improved, they're not. It's not a win-win scenario to say, well, uh, you have me for free, right? I understand, I understand. But if they said, well, we're getting married in London in an old castle in England or something like that, right? Yeah. Okay, it's yeah, more, more that's, that's intriguing to me. Let's do it. So, you know, you know, and on the other hand, maybe, maybe the secret is, and I'm just thinking out loud here with you gentlemen just brainstorming here, maybe the secret is to uh, pick a destination and invite 10 couples to come with you to get married at the old castle in England where you have 10 people come and, and I, I'm just saying there might be ways of something so you make do it backwards you make it the location first and saying what an opportunity 10 couples are going to have the uh, an amazing event of a lifetime normally to go to England to get married would cost you X amount but we're sending 10 of us together and now it's going to cost you this amount and it's sponsored by this company this company this company I'm just saying there might be or ways even flip it be and cool. decide that there's a place you want to do a wedding we'll use London England as yeah. an example and say that the first couple that we can find that is getting married in London, England, doesn't have to pay for our services. They just pay for our flights and accommodations. That's that's not bad at all either. And is there something else that you can do while you're there? Is there somebody else you could support while you're there? I'm just saying there might be other ways of... Um, in, in, but first it starts with the idea, right? And yeah. I always like to start with a date saying, we want, this we want to go, England. When do we want to do this? Okay, we're going to do this second week in August, you know, or even a, next year sometime, give yourself, but, but pick a date and just start seeing which, who could you get to come in on that? Like would a local radio station help you promote that? Would a, um, a local trip company be willing to give you some kind of a discount if you could put together 10 or 15 wedding couples together on that particular date? You're going to start talking to a lot of different people. No. Yes. No, no, but again, but you reach out to um, you reach out to those hundred influencers again, right? Yeah. You know, you pick out who is most likely to help you to make this happen. Like for example, as an illusionist, right? If say a birthday party magician would go out and charge three hundred dollars, right, and they would come to your home, right? But what if they had a hall where they could invite? do a much bigger show, maybe an hour show with a bigger illusions, whatever, but they might have 10 people, 10 birthday parties all in there at once. And the pizza company would give them half price pizza or the hall would give them a discount because there's 10 families coming together. And they could put on a show that normally would cost them a thousand or 1500 a piece, but now they're only paying three or 400 times 10. So you're getting three or 4,000 Opposed to a thousand or twelve hundred, they're getting a better deal, but they're all coming on that one day to participate, and everybody wins. They get a better deal. You get to do ten at a time. I, I'm not. I'm just saying, just thinking so that yeah, loud. How, how, right? So it's a very, you're very used to problem solving of this type. I can definitely tell. And you, you talk about how you talk to other business owners and entrepreneurs. It it's interesting. I guess there we have a lot of meetings and, and discuss things that we think would work, but. But it's interesting hearing a new perspective. I'm glad we, we get to hear it. Yes. Kind of, you know, um, in Stephen Covey's book, right? In the Seven Successful Habits, number one, start with the end in mind, right? Hmm. End in mind. A year from now, on this day, we want to do this in London, England. That's the end in mind. I like that you recommended a book. We occasionally get the book recommendation. 
and, and I usually go and I try to read a couple of them. Are there any other books maybe that uh, people like us or, or entrepreneurs should read if they're having trouble? Yeah, one sec. <sighs> I just give Jesse one. I'm a big Russell Brunson fan. Like, it depends on what you're looking to do. Like, if you're going to do business online, uh, this was a book here I recommended to Jesse a little while back by Russell Brunson oh. called Dot Com Secrets. Okay. I have. I think I think we're both quite voracious that. readers, so we yeah. would even read stuff that isn't necessarily yeah. specific to us. Hmm. Yes. Cool. Dot Com Secrets. Maybe um, that'll be one they have to give a shot at. But I think anything to do with online business or anything, any book that will help you to um, to better connect with your customers. Like I'm an avid reader. I, I read a fair bit, but I read a lot on the on the online marketing now because I, that's where the because I, I think in my honest opinion in the next five or ten years, one of two things is going to happen: either A, you you will learn to promote yourself online, or B, we're going to pay someone to promote you online. It's a good place for us to be, because we're trying to get people to pay us to right. promote them online. And we need to promote ourselves. Yes. Yeah, but a lot of businesses aren't able to, right? Not only because of the constant change of technology, but there's a lot of business owners who just don't have the time. That's and, true. Right? Because, and if you could take that after him, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I remember one day, many years ago, I went to a dentist friend uh, on a Wednesday, and I popped into his clinic. And he was typing letters and he was uh, responding to emails and sitting at the desk, like doing invoicing or something. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, well, my secretary doesn't work Wednesdays, so I don't work, I don't do any dentistry on Wednesdays, so I just kind of do all, all of this. Like I kind of do the invoicing and the bookkeeping and on Wednesday afternoons. I'm like, okay, you're a dentist that charges like 300 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. Bring someone in here, pay them $20 an hour, and go pull more teeth, man. Go do what you do best, right? And I see a lot of, like, like for example, mechanics, where they're very good mechanically inclined, but they're not website savvy. They're not social media savvy. And so, you know, in here, they're trying to budget time every day to trying to get their social media to work. You know, better off to hand it over to someone to do it for them, and they just go fix cars, right? Or do whatever they do, but... I think a lot of business owners don't have the time, they don't have the patience, um, because their intentions are good, but they're too busy trying to run the ship. And marketing is something that kind of, they think about here and there, they don't have a strategic plan of daily, how this is how they're gonna attract new customers. They wait for someone to come in and say, hi, do you wanna invest in postcard? You're like, okay, maybe I'll try that. But they don't have a plan of attack of how do they acquire customers, right? So I think that if you can help business owners to just do what they do best, and you can help them with the part that you do best. That is what our sales pitch is. It's written in ink. Yeah. It says that. That's it. Running a business is hard. We get that. Let us help you with the stuff that you don't know. Well, the thing is, too, is that I always like to do it, um, you know, what we call the VIP, right? So you create, I always try to create value for them first without selling anybody anything. Let me just give this to you. B, if it makes an impact that produces profit, then we'll share in that profits, right? So again, uh, if, if you can help them to say, here's where you're at, tell me where you wanna go, and if I can help you do that, just give me a small sliver of what I'll help you create, right? So it's free and easy money to them, really, right? That's true. It's, um, it's a bed and breakfast we're working with. And 
it was very divisive when we decided that it was time for us to take over their social media. The wife was gung-ho, and when I first met them a few years ago, they she was is not a social media person. She doesn't like Facebook. She used to have a Facebook account for her company, but she had since just taken it down because she doesn't use it. By the time I said, well, the website's up, everything's going, it's working well, now it's time to to work on the social media side. She was very happy to entertain the idea. Her husband was not. So in that case, it was divisive because she sought the potential value her husband hadn't. I don't know if he has because we've been doing it for a bit now with reasonably good results for a for a business that uh, is pretty much all booked up anyways. Um, but I think people... This is one of the things we talked about. We, we have to target businesses that are successful without the online component because if they aren't successful... No, how am I going to word this? Um, they have room to grow yeah, from have, specifically online marketing tools yeah. and social media. Because businesses like a restaurant that we're dealing with, they don't necessarily have the time to do the, the social media side of things or have the knowledge, but that's a difficult balance. Um, that small restaurant by where you used to, well, actually by where you live now, they're a hole-in-the-wall restaurant. More than often, they're always full. They can't get any busier. They, well, then they don't need your service. Well, exactly. that, it might not be a match, right? But there's a lot like that. And I find there's also a lot of businesses that won't, like you say, you can find a, a business that'll say, or you go to them and say, well, where do you want to be? Let's get you there. And then we can share the profits. That still could be six months. And to be working on something for six months without any money, I'll go broke. No, I understand. But two, like, for example, there might be ways that you can... Uh, make it a little more specific, right? Like, for example, let's say you're uh, people on the Ark on the Lake that have a bread and breakfast place, right? How about you pay me for every reservation? I get X amount for every reservation. Well, actually, they're paying me monthly now. So or, that or, or, or I'm just saying, well. but, 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 ways, but it's based on a, a result of what I produce for you, right? Yeah. So same thing as like some of my clients, for example, Americville Speedway, let me help you fill your stadium and I'll, I'll, I'll get a slice of the pie that I create. So it's easy to measure what I've done because here they are here here's your ticket sales right yeah. here so that's it's creating value for them it's making an impact and i share on those profits right um the thing is too not every business has a pain right because there has to be a pain and there has to be a solution right of course so if they don't have a pain then they're not looking for a solution either right so the thing is too um I only try to work with people that want to work with me, right? Who, who's looking to work with me? And not everybody's looking to work with you, but I try to find those who are willing to work with me, right? You know, like yeah. I don't know the photography industry, so, I, but, uh, but I also know that, you know, there's, you're in an industry that's getting harder and harder too, because people have cameras now on their yes. phones that's better than ever before. And a lot of people fear of that, hey, you know, we can tell, I'll take pictures on the wedding and it'll be, Way better than it was like a photographer was five years ago. Maybe not as good as what the equipment is now, but I think a lot of people 
are not motu, so you need to be a little more creative in saying, how do we think out of the box, right? Oh, yeah. be a little different than the rest, right? You know. That's um, rapidly changing technology. It's a a blessing and a curse, I think. You know, maybe 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 you should be consultants on, you know, how to film your wedding using iPhones or I, I don't know, but maybe there's already businesses like that. Yeah, and so they they saw the lightning in the bottle beforehand. There's businesses that will send you um, cell phones to shoot your wedding on. And they will edit it. They'll send you iPhones to shoot your wedding on wow. or have your guests shoot and they'll edit it for you. And that's a wonderful business. And had I come up with it in 2011, it would have been great. But now I don't see the viability because that's niche to begin with. And because they're just shipping, it's it's not location-based. They can... Sure, you can run it from anywhere. Um there's something well you know too you know with, with you gentlemen too right see i've always uh, had great luck working with the schools like there may be a way or sports teams i know is a big industry yes. with, with the sports photography or the school photography and i know a lot of them already have their school photographers but there may be ways that you can make it worth their while to partner with, i i, I know what the schematics would be there but the, again how would you make it worth their while to have you to do it opposed to someone you have else a story it, about sports oh, stuff oh, okay. as well you go i yeah. There's also an interesting thing that happens perhaps in, in our field where there's a lot of work you can do with somebody and, and you can, you know, you could even work for free. But there's this strange undercutting kind of competition where there's always somebody young on the block and, they're, and they are willing to work for free too. And there's dozens and dozens of them that will show up. And, and it's difficult to show ourselves as different from any of them. But the problem with that, and I thankfully have been able to talk to some people uh, being around in any type of capacity as a photography business for five years is rare there's a lot that come around for two years realize they can't make money and they go or they don't have the drive or whatever or something happens and like you had said before with the toothpaste i find that people that start doing work for free or start doing work for like peanuts get stuck there because they end up alienating their customer base when they decide I'm now going to charge $70 instead of 40 and then it just doesn't work out for them so all these people that are doing work for free it's good it, you definitely need experience but there's ways to go about getting experience that don't that doesn't involve discounting yourself at the beginning I agree you can second too. shoot for somebody before you go shoot a wedding for free, you know, and I'm not, I, I, you know, and I'm not necessarily doing everything for free either. But of I'm course. just saying, but but there are ways of of getting paid in other ways that doesn't have to directly come from the consumer. So at no time am I discounting. This is my fee, right? But um, it doesn't necessarily always have to come 100% from that right. client. There may be some other piggyback promotions that can help to cover some of that cost. But the fee is still here. Make no mistake, it's not here. It is here. But there may be ways that we can do this in a way that becomes a win-win. You know, right? So. There's a lot of things. Well, there's a lot of industries that are sort of thriving in that concept. We've talked to a um, real estate expert who's pitched the whole idea of generating funds to acquire businesses or other real estate ventures. Yes. Raised privately, and, and it's a lot of a lot of people are talking about the 
teamwork and the power you have when you work with other people. So United you stand. Divided you divided fall. You fall. It's a right. good message. Right. I, well, and, you know, and, and here's some another point too, right? And, and I'm not saying this is for you guys either, but it's just open for discussion, right? One of the things that I learned from uh, Brendan Bouchard, who is somebody I, I follow a fair bit online, is uh, Brendan. Um, but he says, um, find a way to make your competitors your clients. And I thought about that for the longest time because as an illusionist, I competed with hypnotists, illusionists, ventriloquists all over the world. We would compete in the same gigs many times. But I find that... I'd go see a magician 10 times more often than I would a ventriloquist, by the way. Just saying. Okay. So that's not a fair comparison. But, but I was competing with all these folks. And now when I was doing the fairs and exhibitions, I was getting the percentage of the gigs because I was able to offer the customer way more than they ever could. Like for an example, I would go to a fair and they're saying, look, we're looking for three shows on a Saturday, three shows on a Sunday, we have 2,000 to spend. So all the entertainers would try to um, fit within that budget. They're quoting 1950, 1980, somebody might be 2,100 because they know the fair's got $2,000 budget. Whereas I would come along and say, I, I, I got a question. What if I could do a publicity stunt prior to the event, over and above the show? What if I could do a grand finale over and above? What if I could go to the schools a week prior for free and invite the schools to come and see my show at your fair? What if I could go to the radio stores and do my own little interview to help to promote the fair a little bit extra? And the extras, what if I could get covered by a couple of local sponsors? I'll, I'll thank the real estate agent at the end of the show and he'll help to pay for this or he or she will help to pay for this, the extras. So you still pay me for the six shows that you're gonna pay whoever but what if I could bring these extras to you at no charge? Thanks to my partners. Would that be of interest to you? That'd be very enticing to most places, I think. You'd be stupid not to. Yes. Right? Because you're gonna pluck Pan B and not have any of this? Considering that you're all comparable, right? So now, my business is to help all my competitors to do what I was doing. So now I pick entertainers all over the world and saying, this is how I can help you to get these gigs, opposed to me going up competing with you, this is how this works. So is there something that you could offer that helps all photographers, I mean, I'm just saying, thinking out loud here, right? But is there a way that they could become your market now? Of course. We could start teaching what we do. Well, yes, we there, is, there is that as well. There's also the, the uh, possibility of going to other companies and say, hey, you're a photographer, can we, shoot a video commercial for you right like there's Promote a lot of photographers brand. that don't know the video side of things and vice versa i mean yeah, I, th of, I think a lot of videographers that don't know what the photography says yes. usually we're just at each other's throats the the videographer the it wedding happens. The photographer no i understand that but i'm just saying and i you know but i'm just saying and and for me it's an illusionist it probably took me a year or two to really think of an idea how i could do that because I couldn't really think of an idea, well, how would they become my customers rather than my competitors? I really couldn't see a way, mm -hmm. right? But then once I thought of a wall, the sponsorships are something that I was very, very good at that they didn't quite get because nobody was using the sponsorships the way I did. And when I started now going to these entertainers that I used to compete with saying, would this be of interest to you to add, if you could get paid twice for every gig you do, if you could get paid from your client, 
But when you're done, if your sponsor will write you a check too, and the sponsor will write a check probably even bigger than the client did, would this be of interest to you? Well, this is how it works. I can help you do that. Right? So I usually give them a, a free consult a free consultation. We always do too. Okay. And saying, um, this is basically this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what I do. Okay. Now, if you want to learn how I do all of this, and then let me help you. So so here it is. I do this, I do this, I do this and this, and there you go. Now you now at this point you have two options. You can take this and do it on your own. Or B, I can come alongside of you and help you, right? So the information I gave them, you know, I've had lots of times where I initially would meet with someone just online, half hour chat. I give them one or two things that they can immediately implement into their business. They go out the next day and go, oh my God, I went out and I got a 500 or I got a $1,000 sponsorship. That worked. And you say, great. Now, if you want to learn this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, I can coach you through the rest of it. Or take this and use it, right? And a lot of people that you've already helped them and they've already got results are more inclined to come back to you and saying, wow, now I really see that you can help me. Now I trust you because you've already given me results. Now I'd be prepared to invest with you or partner with you to do bigger, better things because what you've already given me has already made a difference. That's what I'm talking about. Makes a lot of sense. Right. And again, you've got to be a little creative on what that thing is. I'm not saying give them the whole pie, right? But how many times have you walked through the mall and they have a little sample dish or in the, in the grocery store and it's like, here's a sample. Try these crackers and a little bit of dip or, or whatever. And you reach in and you try the, the cracker and you dip it in the jelly there and you, hmm, these are really good. Where do I find these? Well, these are in aisle three over there. They've given you value. You've already tried it. You've already liked it. Now you're probably more inclined to do that. And all I'm saying is, you know, I don't give my samples, like Jesse was talking about, you know, when I help somebody for six months and not them not pay. I'm not saying help them for six months, but what is one or two little things that you can help them with, hmm. right? For example, a long time ago, I, I was helping a, a company that, that does upholstery and they were doing upholstery by the thousands of dollars worth. Right, And one of the first things that we did in the customer's home was to explain, first of all, when you get an estimate on a piece of furniture, you better ask what grade of fabric they're quoting you on. Because you can find this pattern here in a grade one, a grade five, a grade eight, a grade 10, a grade 12 fabric. They all look exactly like one. You can rub it 5,000 times before it shows wear. But this one over here, you can rub 30,000 times before it shows wear. This one is $5 a yard. This one is $25 a yard. And here's the difference. So when you're getting your estimates, make sure. Some of them say, I already got three other estimates. Great. Are they, are they the same thing? What, what fabric or? did they quote you on? Yeah. And not one of them will even know. They're like, the guy never even said. Yeah. Hmm. The fact he didn't say means it's the lowest so they can make the sale or else they would have told you is this so i'm saying so we educate them a little bit saying whether you do business with us or whether you do business with whoever these are some of the things that you should understand and know maybe we can make a, a board for rating other photographers videographers and other arts in the region for reputability and other 
that something like that, right? Something like that might be an idea for you folks of saying, you know, when choosing your photographer, these are five things you better understand or better get to know before, or, or, okay? So there's ways of doing, and that's a good, what they call lead magnet, right? Download this information for reports on, avoid these three things to avoid your wedding being a disaster. We. That'd be good to incorporate. In the We're going to do a frequently yeah, asked yeah. questions video at some point. But yes. That'd be a good video to shoot. Not some point, June 9th. Nice. It's, in the it's scheduled, it's true. Yeah. Um, we, over the years, have learned a lot about client, I mean, uh, um, accumulating clients, but also the, the downtime between when they hire you and the wedding. And over the course of the years, it's been... It's ranged from kind of adequate to bad, and I will be openly admitting that. Uh, so right now, as we head into our next round of wedding shows, every client that we get, every email that we um, that we receive, they will be put into a list that has emails like that, like the the articles and the blog posts that we will be working on. So that way, there's always something that gets sent. To keep them, to keep us in their minds, even if they are a client who we already have money. So it's it's the the plans to keep clients active with us are in motion. It's just getting said clients that requires our devotion. You know, I think one is to go back to the clients you've already dealt with. Is there some way that you can reward them for sending you a referral? I've tried. We've we've tried that in the past. We've offered, um, like, as chintzy as it might have been for a photography company or wedding photographer company, we've offered gift card referrals and whatnot. And it because it's so personal. Um, some brides already have their photographer set before they even meet the guy. Right. Right. So. In some situations, the the decision or the referral is just them giving a name, but it, it absolutely doesn't go anywhere. There's some photographers that make a lot on referrals. We, for whatever reason, haven't been able to tap into that to that yet. So I don't know. It's it's very interesting. It involves a lot of introspective thought, which we're working on. We have been going for ninety-four minutes. A long time. Um, I remember think how I said it's it's it, the it conversation goes. until. <laughs> Perhaps it's because we talked about too much food, but I think I'm, I'm quite hungry. <laughs> so, is there anything that maybe you would like to say before we end the show? Is there anything that um, any any more advice? Anything that maybe we missed? You know, I, I just think that, um, A, I, I thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. It's been great yes, discussing with you. Uh, I'm hoping to come back and share with you again. And, and, you and, uh, and I love brainstorming. And I think, too, that, you know, I would encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing because I know one of the ideas that you had was before was to partner with someone um, to find a location where you can do your podcast because I think that, you know, what you're doing is by spotlighting local businesses, I think a lot of businesses need this. And I think there's a lot of businesses that would uh, benefit by having a weekly or a monthly podcast that don't have all this 
equipment, lighting, cameras that you gentlemen have. So I think that there's a lot of opportunities. Um, and I know you're really pushing the photography, which is okay, and, and, you, and you should. But I think that even your own podcasting services here, there's a lot of businesses that would benefit by having a regular podcast on a regular basis. And I think that... Um, and I think as a result of doing that, you may also get a lot of them that also need the photography as well. But I think that this podcasting setup that you have would be of great value to many, many businesses here. The biggest downfall or pitfall with this is sure people could perhaps see that the podcast would benefit them in some way. But then it's sticker shock. I mean, I mean, us moving around with all this equipment and doing such a production for somebody Nobody wants to pay what it's worth. Uh, they, nobody wants to pay a quarter of what it's worth. That we, at least what Jesse and I have, have thought, we have some people that are a bit more optimistic in our in our mitts, and we're, we're trying to make it work. We're trying to figure out how to convince people that it is it could be a great value to them. But it, that's the hard part. Maybe I'm not a salesperson by any. Well, I, I would think I, that I have sales experience, and the the idea of doing this for other businesses to me makes sense. But kind of like the, the photography side of things, the cost of doing something at a quarter of the production value of this. Like if you wanted to do a submission subs podcast tomorrow, you can do it right on your phone. A hundred percent. So how like that that's the issue with sure. any type of media production business is how can we make it better than something that you can already do like this will sound immensely better and it'll look immensely better and there'll yes. be more thought into it but how much is that worth and how can you convince somebody else that it's worth what you say it's worth well put it this way if someone was on your um and again it might be to work with some of these customers that not only do they come on but if that was initiate a, a program of some sort um, so they can measure the response from that, like they had a special offer or irresistible offer of some kind. I think too, as you build your following, I think that becomes more and more valuable to business owners to, to know that you have five or 10,000 or 50,000 or 100,000 followers, oh, yes. which is gonna come in time too. And, and the more guests that you have on, then the more you have access to their following and their audiences, sure. right? We've been which we've learned. We've leveraged that quite a lot and it's gotten us very far. I'm quite happy with it, to be honest. I, I never knew that. I can never tell your happiness with how we've <laughs> leveraged this. So that's good to hear. We've, we've gone from like nobody watching this to on at least one occasion, what, close to 12,000 people watching? Which is. Oh, it's been a few occasions. A few occasions. Well, so. then you're on your way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Claude, thank you very much for coming. Thank We'd you. love to have you back. It's been a great show. <laughs> yes. I look thank forward to coming back. So. Yeah. Well, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, audience.